Georgian bag. That's a nasty looking finger, lady. You got the face? What? No. Hey, I got your fertilizer. We made you. <laughs> Welcome back, interweb friends. This is Stop the Movie I Want to Get Out. Hollywood makes bad movies. We make fun of them. I'm Alex Dunbar. I am joined, as always, by the faces I see in my Zoom screen. We start with Christy Smorrell. Uh, I had a quote and I completely forgot it. it, oh, it is... I am the dominant life form. <laughs> Clearly with the mental capacity of one. I love that. Cody Wolf. I am aware. <laughs> Brian Mueller. Hey, is anyone in here? <laughs> and Jack Estabrook. Green water. <laughs> I had to memorize like five different quotes because I knew like at least like two or three of them were going to be taken. Oh yeah, yeah. Whenever I remember to have a quote, I do the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> gotta like highlight it. Our movie, it's like a draft. I think this movie's from either I I I'm not sure if it was from '98 or '99. I think it's from '99. Is it '99? So, okay. Yeah. Um, virus. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis. He said that with more enthusiasm than anyone ever has. Well, you know, the movie movie had all this, had the, uh, the movie had the, um, like when I'm, when I'm watching the movie, the first thing that pops up is the word virus. It literally, it was a jump scare. I was like, what the? Like, did that happen to anyone else? It was the only scare in the movie, though. There was like the boat, there was like a shot of a boat, and then there was like, and then it said virus. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. I enjoyed. I got a kick out of that. I put. I put virus exclamation point was my first note. It was a better name than Trojan horse or malware. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, malware. 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 Yeah. You are malware. I would expect a character named Mal if that was the case. Yeah, Ma- or just malware. <laughs> Mallory Ware. Yeah. yeah, that should have been a character's name. We get, um, so Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, old friend of the show, William Baldwin, who I once interviewed, and it constantly haunts me that I didn't talk to him about any of these movies, and Donald, and Donald Sutherland as the big three main characters. And, I know, which I mean, uh, they're all, I mean, they were not like, like, like even, even, you know, a, a William Baldwin was still kind of, up, right, I don't know when his when his like window of popularity was, but he was a, a still maybe he's at the tail end of it, but he was still a bankable name, right? I I would say everybody was sort maybe of maybe on the tail like, end of it, but still yeah, I mean it, maybe everybody was sort of on the back nine at this point, but you know they were names, you know these were you know you could you could put these names and, and faces on a poster, you know at that point. Um, I mean, like 2016 Carmelo Anthony, like not what he once was, but you know, you'd still sign. Ouch. Him. Yeah, you pretty that hurts. Still a name. I mean, it's but, true. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, love Melo. And in, in, in a movie that, for much of the movie, I was kind of confused as to what was going on. And then I realized I'm like, oh, someone was sitting around, saw some of the Borg episodes from Star Trek The Next Generation and said, cool. And then that person probably watched the first Alien movie and was like, this is also cool. What if these two were one thing? And then they uh, just saw the Perfect Storm in theaters and were like, all right. Yeah, Perfect Storm. Yeah, it's it's basically just those three things put together with a ton of nonsense. And, and like, let me, I guess we'll get into it. Like, 
there is barely a movie here. I mean, there really isn't, like nothing really happens. Like there's not developments or like things that advance the story. It, it's essentially an hour and a half of people running around an abandoned ship. Um, mm -hmm. And as we find out later on, some of them don't even know why they're doing that. They're just running around. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of a movie I just recently watched, a newer one called Blood Vessel which is like, it's about, I think, like a vampire monster on this abandoned ship, like during World War II. And it was all, it was very similar, but that movie was a lot better. It was still not great, but it was a lot better than and this one. it's was. called Blood Vessel? How the yeah. hell have I not heard of this? It's on Shudder, I think. Kathleen and I watched oh it. But, yeah. um, Jack looked very excited at that description. <laughs> it's like when I'm talking about that movie. On. But it was better than this, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, let's try to go through the plot. I mean, there's so little here that I... I mean, the opening is really, like... Like, I mean, it, it does feel like... Like, it, like, like almost like a Michael Bay-type action movie where we've got, like, this ship and they're in communication with this satellite and there are, like, these lasers that are, like, coming down from the sky. I was like, what? Okay, I didn't know what kind of movie I was getting into. Well, yeah, I didn't know anything about this movie when I heard the title virus. I assumed it was about a virus, like a disease. A people <laughs> virus, not a computer virus? Yeah. yeah. So when I started seeing alien, you know, or, or like machine critters walking around, I was like, this is not what I thought. Although, I guess there could be an argument. <clears throat> is the title about a computer virus or that people are the virus? I think it's that people dun, are, dun, dun. That's what they say in the movie. So I was like, that's even dumber. <laughs> it's not the same year as The Matrix because that was literally, that was literally oh, Agent yeah. monologue in The Matrix. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, so yeah, this, this Russian spaceship kind of gets overtaken by this kind of odd UFO. The Russians, by the way, are very casual about this UFO until it overtakes them. One of them is just sort of like trying to take a picture of it, ca like casually out the window of the space station. With a uh, camera that looked like it should not have been, I mean, even in the late 90s, that thing looked like it was old to be on a space station. Yeah, I feel like they're like cranking the film in it. And I'm like, what? I, that's, that's where I first had to look. I'm like, isn't this from a movie from the late 90s? You know, it's like a 70s camera. Yeah, they were so they were so non-surprised. I thought at first, like, oh, are they expecting these aliens? Are they like in are the Russians in cahoots with these aliens? Like, no. They've, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, in this oh, world aliens don't exist until then. Yeah. Are they expecting this? But then it's like, so the one the one person's like totally come, then another person's like, huh, that's weird. Then they freak out. And it and it's still like, no, it's still a UFO. Like, you know, like it was always a, you know. Reaction. It's like not only, yeah, yeah. It's like not only was it an alien ship, but it had like a cloaking device. Right. <laughs> right. It's, like, it's cause enough for alarm. Yeah. So it takes, takes over this or goes through the space station and causes a giant bolt of lightning to come out of the space station to the freighter below that had been communicating with the space station. Yeah. And this is a little like okay, and like the the freighter starts freaking out. Everything is breaking there too. Cut to black. Seven days later, <laughs> like mm -hmm. oh okay, uh, sure. And now we're following the crew of a salvage rig. This is basically when we shift into a perfect storm. Yep. Uh, and. Captain Donald Sutherland, uh, William Baldwin's an engineer, Jamie Lee Curtis is a navigator. 
Uh, I, I'm always excited to see Cliff Curtis in a movie uh, yeah. who plays Miko. I, he is one of the great, like, kind of underused actors, I think, of our times. I was distracted throughout this whole opening trying to come up with he's one of those actors to me that I feel like I've seen him in a million things but I can't actually pinpoint any of them and that was making me feel very frustrated that I was like I know this actor and I cannot come up with a specific role I just feel like I've seen him in a ton of things sure, and, sure. And that's, that's another, one, another one that I give that I want to give kudos to is Marshall Bell who is the the ship's uh, uh pilot essentially the the character the archetype who bugs out and you know, tries to run away. That character, I thought that was kind of cool. I like seeing Marshall Bell and things. Yeah. He always plays, yeah. he always plays like wacky characters, like, you know, his eyes are popping out, you know, and I I just like seeing him. Yeah, kind of kind of gave the game away. I was like, oh, yeah. you know, they they sort of like with him, you know, they they want to identify like you to identify a character with a personality trait. And instantly, as soon as he appeared on, I'm like, oh, okay, this is like the like scared guy. Like, got it, you know, like, okay, now exactly. we're now, I can now see his entire arc, you know, in front of us. Um, so they're, they're towing, they're like a salvage rig that's towing like a, uh, I don't know, another, what, what do they call it? Like, um, the barge. barge. They're calling it the a barge. Um, they want to, William Baldwin's, you know, they're in a, uh, they're in a hurricane. William Baldwin's like, we got to cut it loose. Um, Donald Sutherland like pulls a gun on him and is like, no, my, I've got my whole life savings tied up on that barge. And then it doesn't matter because like the wind breaks the barge away and the barge sinks and it doesn't, it ultimately doesn't like mean anything. I have um, an important question about Donald Sutherland's character now that we've introduced him. Does he have an accent? <laughs> and if so, where is it from? I, I have yeah, the like same a... note. I have the same <laughs> note. I was so like it's just like a generic, like, sailor man accent. Except there were times when it felt like he was, like, verging into an Irish accent. I actually looked it up to try to remember where he's actually from. Like, if he's European, if he's if he was just slipping back into his own accent, accent mm -hmm. accidentally. But no, he's Canadian. So it was a choice when later on when he's, I can't do an Irish accent, but the way he says, like, they're. $30 million, it really sounds like an Irish accent, but then later it's not there. I was very I thought I thought he was doing like a pirate accent is what I thought he was doing. Possibly. It, it kind of verged into pirate territory a little bit. I thought it was Irish too, but you're right. He like dials it up and down. And for a lot of the middle of the movie, it's like the accentometer is at like two. But then like towards the end, he's really cranking it up. And that's where I started having notes. I'm like, is this... Is this an act? Like, is what's going on here? Because this is not what we were seeing for like much of the middle of the movie. Yeah, I thought he was going to show up with like a pig leg at one point and a parrot, but they didn't quite <laughs> go that far. Almost. Yeah. Um, but this is, I think, one of my favorite lines in the movie, just because it was so bizarre, was after this happens and the barge sinks, um, William Baldwin turns to the captain. He's like, "If you ever point a gun at me again," and then says nothing, and then Dallas Southern's like. Yeah, and he's like, you figure it out, and he walks away. He's like, oh, what a threat! I laughed out loud at that too. I was like, did they forget to write this or something? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> so Donald, they Jamie Lee Curtis convinces them to go into the eye of the hurricane, and Donald Sutherland goes down to his cabin to contemplate suicide, and 
is considering going committing suicide until the the scared crew member is like, hey, we found another giant freighter and she appears to be dead in the water. And Donald Sutherland's like, ooh, dead in the water, you say. Hold on to these. these That's that's enough to take the gun out of my mouth. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll be right there. I love how he also, he like takes a picture out of a younger self. Of him as a younger self, he's like, well, it looks like I let you down, old lad. (laughs) Bizarre thing to do right before killing yourself. The implication is that he just keeps a picture of himself in his 20s, like right there in his office, not not in a frame. So he takes it out and looks at it on its own, not with someone else. Just that was probably like his acting headshot back in the day. Yeah, I had to rewind it because I thought at first like, oh, is that like his son? And I just like miss saw something and just look at a long, young Do- Donald Southern like no that yeah Donald <laughs> Southern definitely keeps a picture of his young self and speaks to it talks to like so a much person. yeah <laughs> so they come across the the giant Russian freighter that we saw in the beginning and somehow like Jamie Lee Curtis has a book that has like information on this freighter and she's like it's got 42 labs and all this stuff and I'm like you're just I'm like, okay, I mean, weird. And they, they're they like, okay. And their their ship, it's, it should be noted, is taking on water and they say it's gonna sink if they don't, um, you know, they've got, they can't do repairs, they're gonna sink. So they decide to board the Russian freighter. And they're, you know, which essentially starts the rest of the movie, which is them walking around an empty ship. Um, and- oh, shit. Yes. Yeah. And then everybody, a couple of people start getting, someone else gets really giddy and it comes out that they're, they're really excited about an obscure clause in maritime law, where if you find an abandoned ship, you can salvage it for 10% of the value of the ship. Um, which I'm like, okay. I like again. I'm like, wait, why wouldn't they just take the ship? Like, if there's no, I, but any, I'm like, whatever. Okay. So they're all very, they're all very excited because they think the ship is worth three hundred million dollars, and there's like a lot of math here. Anyway, they think they're going to get three million dollars each. You know, ten percent of the value of the ship broken up by ten. I was like, okay, okay, got it. Like, sure. They have like a guy with a visor and a cigarette and an old school like. <laughs> calculator just showing all their paper receipts line out yeah it, it's an oddly specific point like there's a part where it's like is this true because this movie is so obsessed with this point there's a part of me that thinks it might actually be true or something that was the inspiration for um, the film and maybe you know and then they're like, okay, so now we fall into the like, okay, oh, there's something wrong with this ship. There's no power to anything. All the power has been turned off. So we're going to turn this into an episode of Scooby-Doo where everyone splits up to see if we can like turn on the power, like find out what's happening with this ship. You know, okay, cool. Um you know, William Baldwin and the guy named Richie, who, or is it Richie or Squeaky? Squeaky. There's a Richie and Squeaky. Yeah. 
think. There's a okay. I legit have to. Uh, I have the IMDb page open now with all the characters' <laughs> names because these characters are so forgettable. Like yeah. I'll never remember their names. Richie is is the the black guy, and Squeaky is the guy in the engine room with William Baldwin. Okay. Who makes also, it a point to say he's Cuban, so he's friends in, with Russians. Right. He's not American. Yeah. <laughs> they they go down there. They like tinker with some stuff, and they like fix like one thing and then the ship is back to full power which they basically just turn the key yeah basically it was like beep boop beep boop beep you know like connect to this you know and they're full power i'm like okay um they've been there's like frayed like wires everywhere and yet all they have to do is plug something in yeah (laughs) to power the entire ship yeah and from what we learn later it's like they're like we did we were hacking every line we could find and it's like well apparently not the mains because yeah you just really had to cut one wire yeah um and they're trying to figure out what's going on it's kind of like oh something weird happened here we're seeing some blood like you know all the computer stuff seems kind of weird and then at some point the anchor from the freighter falls through the the salvage vessel that they came in on like like without any of them releasing it the anchor just falls through you know self-releases itself and crushes their boat i would like to make it a point that it the way it's shot it's not like you know something lit up and then it happened the it's like a not a crank handle but like a handle that you have to literally move yeah so i want to know how the electricity did that because it's not it's not something like if it was controlled by a computer sure but somehow a, the handle actually moved it's a mechanical device yeah so how yeah. would it have the access it's like well, uh, maximum overdrive logic is, <laughs> this movie has a terrible understanding of computers and artificial intelligence and even just the concept of net like a network like you know because it, it's they're constantly showing us that the surveillance cameras all work but later in the movie a robot has to beep boop beep type on a keyboard to make a thing happen which i'm like why would you have to do that with everything you've shown us there's no way a robot should have to type on a keyboard that would be like me working my own hand with the other hand (laughs) also probably this place to park your boat is right under the anchor of a giant freighter but yeah that seems not the best decision they're very well versed in maritime law, but not like physics. Yeah. Yeah. Or logic. Yeah. I I was got a good chuckle out of like the Chekhov's gun of this when very early on they introduced both like a what what do they call it? A certain kind of grenade. Like oh, a uh, yeah, thermal grenade or yeah. yeah, a thermal grenade and a a tactical short range missile. I was like, well, all right, if you introduce a thermal grenade and a tactical short-range missile, like, I mean... Especially when, when I they tell you exactly what the grenade does. She's like, this is a thermite grenade or thermal grenade, and if it goes off, it'll melt the hole in the ship, in the floor of the ship. And it's like, okay, I'm sure we won't see that. I know. I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm literally like, looking forward to scene of floor of ship melting. <laughs> um and then they're all just but even as weird as this is they're all just kind of like do to do to do like all right what are you going to do with your three million when all of a sudden out of like a locker a lady in a hazmat suit just comes out with an uzi like spraying the room 
And I'm like, whoa, okay, okay. Um, well, first I thought it was going to be like, like, like robot, like a robot suit kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like, oh, is this one of the robots? Or then it's like, no, it's just the lady we saw earlier who'd been playing upside down chess with her cosmonaut boyfriend. And uh, no, no, no. Her, she was married to the captain. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. I was confused yeah. by that too. Which one was her husband? Because I thought it was the guy on the boat because he like put his hand on her shoulder. But then, oh she yeah, that like... was like super obvious. He did the hand on shoulder, and she like leaned into his hand. Like I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh okay, yep, they're sleeping together. Then but then stuck. she seemed kind of like, all right. But then later, like there, so she yeah, she's playing chess with that cosmonaut, and they seem kind of like. Friendly, and then oh, later so she can't says, be friends with the guy. Thanks. Well, no, but then she says checkmate <laughs> later. So I thought, like, oh, is that like an ode to her dead husband who died in space, who she was having playing chess with? No, I, I thought think, it was weird. I thought I it was weird. It felt like the two characters were the same later on in the movie, like in the original script, they were supposed to be. I didn't get yeah. any of this. I thought she was just playing chess with an astronaut. Like, no, yeah, but I mean, there didn't on, seem to be the, any kind of emotional thing. thing. Came back. The checkmate. Well, one of the robots says checkmate. The board yeah, that was it. Okay, yeah. The astronaut, not her husband. That's what I'm it, saying. I think the movie is shot so much in that 90s style of where, like, I, in your writing, looking back on it, I don't think she was flirting with him, but they're doing so much glamour photography of her. And, like, I was kind of like, I thought at first she was flirting with that astronaut with the with the chest stuff. But, yeah, I guess she really was. And it just sort of, like, has that 90s look that tends to, like, over dramatize everything. I get. I mean, yeah, it probably was like just chess, but yeah. Maybe there was like some deleted scenes of like some an extramarital affair, and like that was a whole side plot. And you know. well, I'll be honest, I forgot about the chess game by the time they said checkmate. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, we're bringing that back. <laughs> yeah, again, if if the character were her husband, then it would make perfect sense. It, it keeps coming back as if that guy were the astronaut, which wasn't right. Hmm. And, and she's a virus. She comes right out. She's like, cut the power, cut the power, you know, and, and she starts trying to, I mean, it's pretty obvious, I think, at this point to the audience that it's like, yeah, they down, like, something got into the ship, and, like, we've already seen the ship mysteriously launch a um, uh, an anchor, and I think at this point we've seen with William Baldwin that, that there's, like, little robots running. We've seen indications of little robots, but she's like, cut the power. There's machines taking over this ship, and they're like, ha, 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 crazy lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think it's it might be important to also say that Donald Sutherland did not want to find anyone alive on the ship because that maritime law, if anyone is alive on the ship, they can't salvage it. Right. So he doesn't want her, he wants her to be crazy. He wants her to be nothing so that he can just get rid of her. Or he says at one point, like, she's nuts. That works That works for me. All I have to do is prove she's nuts or something like that. So he can still take the ship. Right, right. This maritime really, law is yeah, very still, flexible and malleable. Even once <laughs> everything totally goes to crap, he's still trying to take this ship for salvage. So Even when he sees one of the, the, the Borg zombies, he's just yeah. like, Whatever you guys, I'm gonna be getting my money. And I'm like, what? Like he didn't freak out. That is that's more of an accent than he ever did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Statue point two five subheader things says cyborgs. Okay. <laughs> my favorite line with, with the um, 
with the lady. It's like, so Donald Sutherland's like, she's crazy, tie her up. And then she's like, I'm not a threat. And meanwhile, I'm like, uh, didn't you just burst out of a storage locker with an Uzi, like spraying bullets like we were in an early yeah. 90s John Woo movie? <laughs> I, mean, I don't really understand why she was shooting at them and then gave in so quick. I mean, why she was shooting at them originally and why she gave in so quickly. And why did she have a hazmat yeah, suit? Yeah, I don't know what Thing. that I don't I think know. the idea was because that she was just panic firing because she thought they were the robots, but um, they... She heard them talking though. Aren't there like flashes of of of, of like her remembering their voices when she comes to? I mean, I so. the robots talk too. So. Well, oh yeah, it, I but the it. the gas mask was because she says later that the um the aliens set off all of the fire extinguishers and sixty seven people died of gas poisoning. So that's why uh, she's got uh, the gas mask on. Did not catch that line at all. <laughs> I missed. I was that. I was really paying attention at this point though. <laughs> Well, I, I like, though, that she's, like, the Donald Sutherland crew has been on the ship for a while before she busts out with a gun. Like, if she'd been listening to them, she must have been like, oh, these are humans. Like, these are not robots. These are queer. Well, humans. yeah, they're, they're talking about what they're going to do with money and when they get off the ship. And, yeah, like, she should know, but. Yeah, it doesn't really, I mean, I think they, you know, quick, cheap jump scare, I guess. Yeah. Um. And meanwhile, Richie and Woods, Woods, who is the scared guy, are exploring the ship, and they find a room full of robots that even after they turn the room off, the room then turns itself back on after they leave. And I'm like, okay. And again, I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, you know, we get it. Like, got it. Like, this is, there are sentient robots on the ship. Like, this, you know, okay. Um, they have to start also like this movie at this point, you still don't know like nothing of, about who these characters are. Like I, I can't remember a, a movie that had less exposition, and like they they just hold off like important exposition on on Richie's character. Where like you have no clue. Like you just know he's interested in robots and weapons and everything. But then like they explain with like twenty minutes left in the movie that he like used to work for like the Navy and like their weapons unit. And it's like. Oh, that would have made a lot more sense if they had included that throwaway line at the beginning. I really wondered if that was like maybe a reshoot or something to explain why he could set up that elaborate bomb with the ejection seat. Like, oh, shoot, we've got to explain why he has this knowledge. Let's just have him say he worked for the Navy for six years. I have yeah. so many thoughts about Richie and what is going on with Richie and sort of like the choices he is making like later in the, like, like there's almost like two characters, like he, like a, a different Richie seems to come up for a while and then another one comes back well, in. Because you think he's going to be a threat then you think, well, I'm going to be jumping ahead because at first he's kind of creepy and you think he's going to be the one that develops the, the, the bond with the robots and kind of turn on everyone. Then he becomes like the freak, the, the guy who freaks out and you think he's just going to be a liability and he's just going to die a horrible death while he's bugging out. And then at the end, he's like, I'm the hero. And I knew the whole time what I was doing. And I set up this elaborate escape plan that will also destroy the ship, defeat the bad guys and get you out alive. And I was doing that the whole time off camera. And it just was very uh, convenient. And I just didn't get it why they did it that way. It's crazy. It's, it's really, yeah, it's nuts. Um, we also at this point start to get hints that there is like a, mystery person on the boat and, and we sort they of still think our heroes still think that there are people on the boat like they're only now beginning to, to realize what's going on at this point they're like well there must be people on the ship 
Which well, almost they're not been, heroes, they're viruses. Oh, that's right. Which almost would have been a more interesting film if it were just like the salvagers versus the maybe there were criminals on the ship, like 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 um pirates, like real life, like like sex traffic and drug dealing type pirates, and they had to like wow. take the ship back or something. That would have maybe been a better movie. It was the nineties, just calling them Russian was enough to make them a villain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're just coming off of Golden Eye. <laughs> <laughs> And eventually, like, this sort of, like, cyborg-like monster attacks them. And I think it's Nadia, who, the, the Russian, um, I don't know, was she a scientist? Was she a, 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 a chief science officer? Chief science officer. Yeah. Yeah. And she describes, she's like, they had bioengineering beyond our comprehension, at which point I'm like, equal sign to the Borg. Like, yeah. got it. Like, they're, they're basically, this isn't just, like, ripping off the Borg. I mean, it's, it looks like how the, the how Star Trek did, like, humans infected by the Borg. Especially yeah. Squeaky, when he came in with the bionic eye looking exactly like a Borg. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't even try to, like, mask that. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're straight yeah. up doing the Borg. They were slightly gooier than the Borg. They were a little bloodier, but, meh. yeah, basically the Borg. A little bit, you know, and, and they treat it. They're so casual. Everyone accepts this so fast. Like when they yeah, have like, that Captain Alexi there, they're like, okay, yep, got it. Okay, they've made him into a, a techno, you know, techno bioengineering human, human robot mix. Okay, cool. Just leave him right here. Uh, we don't even really need to supervise that. Like, sure, that that's, you know, that this all just makes sense to us, a salvage crew, yeah. you know? It's, it's obvious that this is a, a, a weapons program, a Russian weapons program, and it's not aliens. That's right. That's like Donald Sutherland's, uh, like, big, like, revelation, where, again, he's still, like... When he comes to that explanation whether it's aliens or a weapons program gone wild, the simple fact of the matter is the threat is still there. He treats it like, nah, it was, that wasn't, that wasn't a, 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 a zombie in the cemetery. It was just a drunk guy. No, no, it's like, oh, that wasn't a zombie in the cemetery. It was just a serial killer, right? Like, it's like, you will, you will be fine. Oh, no, it's not an alien. It's just a top secret weapons program that's killing us all. So I don't think it's going to kill us all. I just didn't like his casual like the whole time donald sutherland is like this is normal like he never once reacts to anything like it should like you, you'd think that people would react none of them do but his reaction seems to be the worst and, and this is where i think we are soon somewhere in here maybe i'm jumping ahead a little bit but we we get to see the giant robot monster uh when it kills woods the the scared character um it's like a giant, I don't know, like, this is actually, I, if I'm going to pay this movie some some compliments, this is a fairly interesting special effect and some, like, practical effects work of this robot. I think it's kind of cool in a completely stupid movie, and, like, what the robot can do actually seems very impractical, especially the fact that, like, stairs and ladders seem to, like, completely flummox it but On a ship that's full of stairs uh, and ladders yeah that's like all levels there are points where i'm like how is this robot getting around i mean also this thing is giant i, I don't know how it's fitting down any hallways or anything um but it looks cool 
And I thought it looked, looked really cool. I thought the effects, I mean, in a better movie, these would have been passable. Yeah, yeah. You Obviously, know. this movie came before, but I thought it kind of looked like the the District Nine aliens. Yeah, 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 a little, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. That's yeah. That's 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 a good yeah. That's a good call. I, I'd say it does. You know, um, and the rest of the crew finally decides Donald Sutherland is no longer in charge. Yep. Um, they're like, I mean, I, I, long last. It's like, my God, you know, finally. Well, because they they get to like um, they get to like the communication. And they they use the radio yeah. trying to send out an, S, an SOS, and he destroys the radio. So that's when Jamie the Chris is like finally like, okay, you're not in charge anymore. We're not going to listen to you. You're insane. We're doing our own thing. But it's important yeah. to note that they send out an SOS. Yes, that's true. Right, but right before it, uh, yeah, before Donald Sutherland shoots the radio, uh, they then go to have a text conversation with the robot or the the sentient ai that is that is taking over the alien whatever that is taking over the ship i love how the russian the russian computer system has options for languages when it's designed specifically for the russian military right right like it even had like big cartoonish like you could select a japanese flag the flags like yeah. a brazilian flag yeah i like how richie's like nadia change this thing to english she's like people got it you know, and it's like, okay, everything's fully English now. And we're looking at a huge American flag in the picture. Like, obviously, it was pretty clear if you just clicked on the American flag, you'd get English. Right. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I was looking at that too. I'm like, you idiot. Like, just click on the flag. Yeah. <laughs> Richie's like this high, high grade, like Navy weapons specialist, and he can't figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I feel like that line was just added in later because it doesn't fit with anything except the one thing you needed it to fit with. I mean, it doesn't why explain why he was so interested in all of that. Scientists to communicate with the alien. And then that could create another level of, of intrigue because the, the captain character doesn't trust the Russian. Everyone else does. And, you know, she's trustworthy. But he's like, oh, I don't know. This Russian is going to be communicating with the robot. You know, I don't. Again, a thing that would have been more interesting thrown out. Yeah, I mean, they're just more interested in, like, them running from room to room. I, I mean, I think they rented a freighter to shoot this movie, and they're like, we need to use every inch of this freighter we rented. We, we spent yeah. a lot of money. It would take time away from the running in the corridors, I get it. Uh, I feel like half of the budget of this movie was spent uh, buying cables that they could cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah b bundles of cables. You know, imagine the prop department putting that together. Another uh, generic thought about the the... That I have, I found myself thinking, like, is it really safe to be firing a gun in all of these hallways? But I guess that's really more of this. Usually, you hear that line in a submarine movie, like, "Don't fire a gun in here." But I was thinking that as they were firing guns all over this tight metal, there would like, still be a lot of ricochet. You would think. right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, I don't probably at that point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this movie was like it was like every scene was like the scene from Predator where Jesse Ventura just like unloads the Gatling gun. Like that was well, every scene in this movie. I thought towards towards the end when William Baldwin's still like shooting the same gun, it's like, how much ammo does he have? It's just, <laughs> just like endless. <laughs> they just typed in the unlimited ammo cheat in the it's, computer. Yeah. Everyone's like, okay, we're good. I also found myself turning the volume up and down constantly because I yeah. knew it up for the dialogue scenes and then they'd start shooting. I'm like, ah, shoot, yeah. turn it back down because it's super loud. But then up again yeah. when they talk. I did the same thing, and it's funny too because, like we mentioned, when the when the movie started, they did that like 
really loud sound effect for the virus thing at the beginning. Uh, looking back now, that really set the tone for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoyed their conversation with the virtual with the with the robot. Where it, it was, there was like levels of Mark Wahlberg talking to a plant in the happening, you know, as it was like, what is, like, do they even know what they're doing? You know, but the, the robot tells them, first, I really liked that the robot tell, calls them, describes them as noxious. I'm like, ooh, that's a good, good word by the robot, noxious. Um, and that they are a virus. And somehow Richie determines that they, robot just wants the crew for spare parts yeah because they ask like what do you want us for and it just starts naming like like scientific terms for body parts and, yep. and like eyeballs and stuff and they're like oh no they want us for but spare parts here's something i never got and i i get it at the end of the day this is just a movie about scary monsters but uh, why would they require humanoid form if they're already in their electrical form theoretically they should be able to run enough of the ship where they could just pilot the ship and start barraging coastal cities and things like that. I don't know. I think because one of the things that, that was mentioned in that list of, you know, the, the scientific body part stuff was like the brain of the power source. Mm. Maybe oh, that could okay. be it. Also, yeah, yeah. It's, also it's what Star Trek did. So. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. the more important part. Yeah. They, they do a terrible job explaining it, but I think they're saying that they need like, yeah, like the brains and the eyes of humans to be able to create exactly what they did with the Borg in Star Trek. Um, yeah. And, so, and we get the great line. My favorite line in the whole movie, because I was like, this is a movie from the 90s that involves computers and technology. And I'm like, somebody's going to say it. And <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis gets it, where she goes, where's the mainframe? <laughs> as soon as that got referenced, I was happy. I'm like, yep. You can't. You cannot make a '90s movie about technology without someone asking for a mainframe, which is immediately followed up by William Baldwin with the line, "We have to get to the computer if we want to kill this thing." It's like, yeah, no, yeah, that's pretty clear at this point. Like, Shut up, know. William Baldwin. All you know, know how to do is fire a gun, and now you think you know how to defeat this thing. Yeah, yeah. Also, is. What the aliens like is that was their goal to like take over humanity, like cleanse humanity? Like, I, I was kind of unclear what their mission was. I was, I feel like there's a little of the thing in this too, where it's like, yeah. are they just trying to get all like spare parts from all humans? Or like, that wasn't completely clear to me either. And I don't know if the movie even ever figured that out. I, I feel like the like there's well jumping way ahead the kind of fake out ending. I was like, oh, is the fake out ending kind of like that? You know that the that the robot is still out there and it's going to take over all of humanity? Or I don't know. I was I was very confused by where they were going with that. I don't. I think if this yes. movie was made now, that would be the ending. Because I was thinking that as we got to the end, that like. Nowadays, you never actually complete a story and complete a movie because you always hope for a sequel. So it's like the alien would absolutely have still been out there if this movie was made now. But back in the 90s, it was okay to actually finish the story. So that was just a jump scare. I think everyone while making this movie probably knew there wouldn't be a sequel to <laughs> 
I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis also should have told them then like, guys, I know John Carpenter pretty well. And on three movies, he has kind of ended the movie with and the world probably ends because and and in all three of those movies were big box office bombs at the time they were released. You know, so maybe we shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, and then we get the, the, the scene, the one scene I kind of knew from memes, which is Donald Sutherland on the computer. Uh, you know, grandpa comes in and is like, oh, let me talk to this computer, you know. Because and, he is this uh, superior life form. Yes. At the beginning of the movie, the alien's spying on them with the surveillance and they zoom in on his name and the big block letters on his jacket. And he is wearing the, the captain's hat. Life form. Yep. And he's like, I'm the dominant life form. And, and, he, and the computer's like, uh, cool. Come to E deck workroom 14. And he's like, great. I'll see you there. I don't understand why he's doing this. Like, this should have been the character. time. He basically the wants- other guy who was dissecting the thing's brain. He should have this affinity for the being. In this he doesn't have an, no, he doesn't have an affinity for him. He, he just wants the ship. He's basically like, I'll work with you to get you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So that I can salvage this, this ship still. I like thinking about that, where he's like, "I'm gonna work with this dangerous alien race that is infecting people with biotechnology. I'll work with them because I'm pretty sure when I get to shore, this obscure maritime law that gives me 10% of the salvage value of a ship, uh, as long as there were no survivors." Like, no, no, this all still probably a five, a couple million bucks out of this. The fact that a, a bio a bioengineering involved alien race is on the ship won't won't be a problem for this obscure maritime law that I'm basing my financial situation on. And if the robots kill all the rest of the, his crew, then he gets to keep more money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because really I had no plan B. He goes down to work work room 14 or whatever, where all the <laughs> machines are hacking up bodies and putting them back together. And he even sees like Woods, his uh, the crazy guy, or not the crazy guy, the scared guy. And he's like, head. Yeah, he's just like ah, Woods. Like he doesn't even. <laughs> I care. worked with him for twenty five years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it's like his his head is like cut off, and he's all messed. You know, and they're like putting robot parts on him. He's just like ah, yeah, he's a good guy. I, I also like that Donald Sutherland's character is like oh, yeah, Woods worked with him for twenty five years. There's his headless body. No chance. That's what. Ends. Oh, to me, though, I think we've got it. I'm all set here. Well, he even know. mentions like, oh, he's, got, and, no, he's like, he's like, he's got no head. It's like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, meanwhile, so the other people, which are Jamie Lee Curtis, Nadia, William Baldwin, and Cliff Curtis and Richie are in another part of the ship. And for reasons the movie does not explain, the Richie character just freaks out and is like, I'm out of here. And I'm like, what? why is this dude freaking out? He has seen far worse things today and not freaked out. He had his hands inside the Russian cap- captain's brain looking at biotechnology in there. And he was like pretty cool with it. But why now that? he's like, that's it. And yeah. he like completely flips out and is like, I'm just doing my own thing. I think he realizes at this point that sinking the ship is like the only way that they'll end this. And like everyone else is still kind of like 
trying to get out of there and he's like no i'm gonna go stick the ship because that's the only way we're doing this and well the the, the kind of i agree with you i agree with you but i think nadia is also pro sinking the ship and i think even at this point jamie lee curtis is maybe pro sinking the ship they're getting there yeah they're kind of getting there. It's it's just a little weird where he's like, "That's it, forget all of you." And I'm like, "Um, okay." Like, yeah, why didn't um, they all just work together? Like, especially like seeing the movie through the end. Like, it, the, him being separate from them really played no part in anything. It makes yeah, it it's not a necessary plot element at all. Like, they could have even just done this scene where he's like, "Hey, hold on, I've got an idea on some weapons. Let me go track that down." And the movie is no different. You know, and if he was yeah. just casually talking to them on the radio for the rest of the movie. Even as he's dying, he's still trying to keep up the plot secrecy because as he's dying, he's like, go to the weapons room. Yeah. You'll yeah. see, you'll know my plan when you see it. You couldn't just say, go to the weapons room. There's an escape hatch and an ejection seat. Use it. No, you'll know my plan like, when you see it. I love that that is his plan, though. I made you a <laughs> rocket propelled ejector seat. But it's like, I, I'm surprised they figured it out because it's so like, I, I know. Like, there I are just, so many, yeah, yeah, there's so many things in that room and so right. many weapons in that room. Anything could have been the plan. Right. I think there's a case to be made that William Baldwin's character still doesn't understand it even after it <laughs> saves his life. Going with it. He's just like, whatever. I'm having yeah. a weird day. Let's just do it. Um, I, I got a weird chuckle out of this. So, so there's a, a kind of like a, Again, we dip back into the Perfect Storm movie where mm -hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis almost gets thrown overboard, but the Cliff, in, in saving her, the Cliff Curtis character kind of like just falls over the side of the ship. This really, like, this scene really bothered me because it wasn't even like in the act of saving her, he falls. He saves her, then he slips and is calling out to her for help. Yeah. He just saved her life by going and pulling her up from the same spot and she doesn't help him at all. I would have liked it better. Like I get that they had to kill off his character. Why not just have him slip and fall as opposed to saving her first, then falling and calling to her for help where she does nothing but feel guilty and watching him fall over. Yeah, something was, because this is also one of the worst shot and edited sequences, I, I think from like a major studio film I've seen, I was like, what, what's happening? Like the geography of the scene doesn't even really make sense. Yeah. And then he kind of, you just kind of see him go over the side and I'm like, oh, we're definitely, like he's not dead. We're gonna see him again, either as a Borg or as a person. And even Jamie Lee Curtis is like, I think he might have fallen into a different part of the ship. And I'm like, okay, we're, I mean, dude's definitely alive. No, he didn't. Like, that's just Cliff Curtis's exit from the movie. Fell off the side of the ship, dead though. I mean, yeah. like, it's pretty terrible. Yep. You guys, uh, speaking I, of this, I thought in a smarter movie, if this were a smarter movie, they would have focused in on the, 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 the technological enemy within and then nature is the enemy outside of the ship. Sure. They're fighting against the storm too, but it's really just there conveniently. Like, oh my God, the storm is back. Okay, now we're okay. Oh no, the storm, but the storm, and it barely comes up. Yeah, the, the storm, essentially from the point they all get on the Russian freighter, the storm is, it doesn't even matter that there's a storm. Yeah. Like, Except for this one scene. They're in the eye of the storm for most of it, and then it comes back at the end. Yeah. But then it ends like almost immediately. After yeah, because then they're fine, like the... Yeah, and then, the very end, it's fine. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
Um, you know, now we get this thing, we get these scenes with Richie tying a bunch of missiles together. Um, we find out that there's, there is a British military base nearby and that they did, I think this is where we find out that this British military base did hear like Richie's dis, you know, distress call. Um, which again, I don't know why the sentient alien robots didn't shut down the radio or maybe the, no, actually, well, I don't know. This goes back to did the sentient alien robots want to be found? Who knows? Oh God, this is too, too confusing. Well, I think oh, they do because no. they're, they're going, they're directing the ship to this island with this British base there. So I think That's they right. do want to, they, they want to get off the ship and, and uh, you know, spread. Spread. That's right. That's right. Spread their is, virus? Their own virus? Oh, we're the virus. They want to destroy uh, the virus. Yeah. They want to take over. Yeah. yeah I do know that an hour and 13 minutes into an hour and a half movie, William Baldwin finally realizes he is the line where he goes, We have to sink this ship. And I'm like, I want to be like, yeah, if I was like Nadia or Jamie Lee Curtis, I'd be like, yeah, dude, what do you think we've been doing for the past 40 minutes of this movie? <laughs> like, what What do you think? Why do you think we've been running? A, like, what do you think is going on here? He's just been like it's running around. Dollars. He's just a little nicer about it than the captain. Well, does it make you wonder, like, what, I really wanted somebody to say to him, like, what do, what do you think we've been doing? <laughs> like, what, what were your thoughts on our strategy here? William um, Baldwin's literally like just living room by room. Yeah. He was just, I thought we were just exploring this ship running around. I thought we we're doing the running through corridors and taking the ship back thing. No, no, we were doing the sink the ship thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And now we get Sutherland, Donald Sutherland Borg. Yeah. He yeah. comes walking in. Yep. Still wearing his hat. Even yeah. in Borg form, they let him keep the hat. He is still her captain, so. Yeah. <laughs> Did they let him keep his personality, or was that just the machine screwing with her by using his voice? I That's don't... never made clear either. I, I think they still I have like... their... Oh, go ahead, Chrissy. Yeah, I, I, I think you're going to say the same thing I was, that they do still have their personality, because, like, Squeaky was still calling out for William Baldwin. Um I mean, Alexi like might have been. in a comfortable, familiar way, not in a help me, I'm covered in like robot tech way. Right, no, well, they're, they're okay being, being bored. Um, so they, they've kind of been indoctrinated. <laughs> yeah. So kind of like brainwashed. Okay, so they, they, they have their personalities, but in a brainwashed pro machine. That's what virus. it seemed like. Okay, okay, I'll buy it. I'll buy I it. I felt bad for Squeaky because every time he kept saying, Steve, but is it like a very like innocent way? Like he just wanted to talk with him. And every time he said Steve, someone like shot at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just well, want to say hello. Because yeah. when when Richie says like, "Oh, let's talk to them," it was after Steve was trying to talk to them. So I thought they were going to talk to Steve and be like, "Hey, you know, you know us. Like, what's going on? What do you guys want, or whatever?" But instead, they kill Steve, and they're like, then they start typing into the computer and like texting the robots. <laughs> AOL instant messaging. <laughs> hey, um, uh, you want to stop? Uh, Shooting and killing at us, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what is LOL? <laughs> emoji, poop emoji. <laughs> um, I think so. I think it's Nadia who takes the thermal grenade and like shoves it into like Donald Sutherland Borg's pocket, and 
to blow him up. Is that right? Yeah, she puts I mean, it like in her, his. Like, but then I realized afterward, I'm like, yeah, it was her. Yeah, because. Oh, God, sorry. Well, I was going to say, is, she seems, did she know that, because she was in the storage locker when they were finding those thermal grenades. I was like, I mean, I guess she was on the boat with yeah, them. Yeah, she probably like, knew what they had. But. Yeah, she was like the one character who seemed to, wasn't there for the introduction of, of Chekhov's thermal grenade. Um, and and they, they blow up the Sutherland Borg and we do get to see the, you know, the, the floor melt around him and he, and he goes down a level. I did not think that we were done with the Sutherland Borg. Like, there's a final shot where you still see the Sutherland Borg's hand in the air, and I'm like, that hand is going to move. It never moved, and we never see it. Going down into the lava with a thumbs down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not think that was the end of Sutherland Borg. I'm disappointed that it was. Yeah, I thought... Go ahead, Brian. I was just say, did you notice like his, like the headgear they put on him? It looked like he was like constantly having an eye exam. Like it looked like just like different lenses were flipping around his eyes. I'm like, what did what did they do to him? Did he volunteer for this? Probably pretty disorienting. <laughs> this weird Borg form of LASIK. They just give you a bunch of lenses that constantly are moving as you're walking around. Yeah. <laughs> I know Donald Sutherland doesn't seem like the caliber of actor who would be in like a a B movie, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he's done some hit and misses, but I wonder what he's thinking when he's like getting the makeup on to be the resurrected, non-descript pirate accented, greedy ship captain who was suicidal and then wasn't, and then gladly allowed himself to get borgified. Like, what's he thinking here as an actor? Is he just like, they're paying me a lot of money? I well, Jack, did you, happen to, did you happen to read the IMDb trivia for this film? No, because they addressed that. Really? Oh, really? <laughs> yes, he uh, he apparently uh, stipulated that all his scenes as that Borg character be shot in one day because he didn't want to go through the makeup again. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Can't blame him. Good on him. Good on him. <laughs> I like how right, we're doing all this in one take. Let's go. I like how like half the trivia section too is just how much the actors hated this movie and didn't want to be in it <laughs> as they're making it. <laughs> okay, I'm looking forward to reading this trivia. Especially then. Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. Well, there's that great quote from Jamie Lee Curtis. Where did I write it down? She's coming like, up with true lies. What the hell? She she referred to this movie as someone asked her about virus, and she said, "Oh, that would be an all-time piece of shit." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. Her face is on the poster. Like, wow. Uh, this this was like just after uh, Halloween H two O too, I think, which was you know not amazing. kind of a comeback. Yeah. yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah. And big True killer. Lies was only a year or two before it. Yeah, so... That was a huge hit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at this point, okay, so the super the super Goliath monster is chasing them around. Uh, I think Nadia, like, sacrifices herself, and... Oh, no, yeah, not Jamie. Up. First, Jamie Lee Curtis falls into some, like, gross water filled with bodies... Isn't that so? This is the thing that made me very confused. Isn't that fuel? Because they're talking about filling the hold with fuel and then blowing it up. So yeah. she falls into all this fuel, and then later on, the Goliath robot like has her in his arms, and Nadia like blows something up. And then there's a massive fire right next to Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, who is doused in fuel. There's yeah. a there's a few with gasoline. There's yeah. a few explosions within five feet of her throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, and she's totally fine. 
yeah. even though she just was swimming in fuel. Right. Meanwhile, Aaron Eckhart falls on the ground for five minutes and he becomes two-faced. <laughs> yeah. We did, we have not had one of these in a while, but I was so happy to see it. It was a great return of how does Jamie Lee Curtis get rescued? Richie comes in and launches a rocket. And we get a classic shot that is so core to this podcast of a slow-moving rocket <laughs> going towards someone. I got excited just before this, though, because I thought the robot was quoting Samuel L. Jackson from uh, Pulp Fiction. He's like, English, do you speak it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though it's a Russian ship. Yeah. It's like, yes, yes, uh, robot. Didn't you see we changed the language settings to English a while ago? We clicked on the American flag. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And now yeah, Richie sense. is back and he's totally cool and totally rational again. He has yep. returned to just this character. You almost want to hear him say like, sorry, uh, I don't know what happened for the past 40 minutes of this movie, but I'm back. I'm good now. Ready to, you know, I, ready to help. Why did I'm he? Done. I just don't, don't know why he didn't just blow up the ship. I mean, I guess he wanted to save everyone, but it's like you weren't going to save him anyways. Right. His escape plan was only for one person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't. Yeah. And and at that point, it was getting like pretty risky. Like if he had a chance to blow it up, he probably should have. Um, but it's like, all right. You know, yeah. So, he, but he's like, cool. And he's like, yeah, go, go. He, he, dramatic, even in death, where he's like, go check out the weapons room. No spoilers. <laughs> you, know, you, you might like what's down there. Uh, and he dies. So, uh, so I'm trying, and oh, and this is where, you know, also the Goliath robot, I'm trying to think of the, what was the other movie we were watching where there was something that was massive and huge, but is also surprisingly nimble and quiet because it, it like sneaks, the, the giant robot sneaks up on people a couple of times in this movie where you're like, this robot's like, eight feet wide and like 12 feet tall and entirely made of metal. How is it sneaking up on- Going through these tiny corridors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it sneaks up, you know, there, so now it just turns into William Baldwin and Jamie Lee Curtis, like kind of like running around the ship, trying to escape her or escape the, the Goliath robot. I do have a note here. I'm like, J Jamie Lee Curtis is so good at this kind of stuff. Like she's just like, she's just very good in like she is out she is making this some of this better than it should be because she clearly just knows so much of like all of her carpenter movies and horror movies like I, she uh, she is believable in this totally stupid thing a virus didn't deserve jamie lee curtis no 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 it deserved Donald Sutherland, the way he approached yeah. this. The way, the way he's acting, Donald Sutherland yeah. is better. Yeah, well, there was that one point where Donald Sutherland, like, was just, like, laughing in one of the scenes when they were talking to the to the um, aliens. And I, and I remember thinking, like, man, Donald Sutherland's just, like, checked out at this point. Oh, yeah. He knows what really kind of this, this was a payday. That was it. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I've been in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. This ain't it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, they, they run down to the weapons room and we basically find out that Richie, a character who the movie led us to believe was insane for the bulk of its running time, actually is, as Jack said, the hero of the movie, has set up two ejector seats and set up a rig so that people can be ejected from the ship and also pull the pin on a giant sequence of bombs that will blow up the ship. 
So uh, I did not understand the logistics of this because it wasn't two seats. It was just one seat. There were two hatches and like a rocket went out one hatch that pulled the seat out the other hatch. I don't understand that part because they were two different tubes. How there did was the like cord... in the out, on the outside, there was like a cable connecting them. Oh, okay. And when one came out, it pulled the cable that pulled the second one, which also had a cable attached to the, the bombs. To the, the, the bombs, yeah. yeah. That that part, the the cable attached to the bombs made sense, but I did not understand like, using the two different hatches with the rocket in one and the yeah it showed a shot when it comes out that there's like a cable that like oh, okay and, and how did he do that how did he, oh, yeah, did he like climbing through these yeah. navy weapons specialists oh yes yeah, as we learned from that one line 10 and, minutes and before also apparently like the the alien robot had like no concerns about stopping this i mean it's got like cameras everywhere yeah. like you know on top of everything else but nobody at no point is it like ah who, who cares that guy's going through tubes rigging like wiring through tubes yeah you think it would have protected the weapons room like the things yeah. that could hurt it but no yeah yeah, they legit would have survived. Like the aliens would have survived with instead of like messing around with like making bionic Donald Sutherland. If they had just stopped Richie, everything would have been cool. Like, yeah, Donald Sutherland wasn't going to do anything. Yeah, and and basically the end of the day, like the plan by Nadia, Jamie Lee Curtis, and William Baldwin was a total bust. And I say plan, and that William Baldwin apparently still had no idea what he was participating in. Like it's only Richie's work that stopped this. And even William Baldwin, so, so Jamie Kurtz is like, there's an ejector seat, we gotta get on it. And William Baldwin's like, I think it's only made for one. She's like, you idiot, we should try both of us. <laughs> it wasn't that hard either. Yeah. Both I know, in. yeah, I always think that's funny in movies, like when you get that scene where like the the, the characters at first, or one of the guys always thinks like, oh, there's only one way to, to get off and it's only for one person. And then like, how many times in movies do you see that where they're like, no, we can we can get two in there and then it's fine. It's like, why are people so willing to sacrifice themselves? Yeah, yeah. And yet, the reverse of that is when MythBusters had to do a thing about the door in Titanic that it really would have sunk with two of them on it. So there yeah, is no. there is a, a another side to it. Jack couldn't <laughs> get on the door. Well, funny enough, that's going to come up. Lady, I have to go. All right, Jack. We'll see you later. Um, okay. Bye, virus. Yeah, or whatever. So now, then now let's talk about Jack. Yeah, I know. <laughs> God, I hope I hope the techno organism doesn't get him. Um, he was by a computer. Yeah. So they they get launched out of the ship. It pulls the pin on all these missiles. The the freighter gets blown up, and we get a like a funny line from the British captain who's like, "Whoa, that's one hell of a flare." Um, cut to the classic sort of like movie shot of like. Uh, William Baldwin and uh, JLC are like passed out on some wreckage. Now that now the sky is like completely blue skies, they're like hoping everyone forgot about that whole hurricane thing. Yeah, they and, injected with a parachute into a hurricane, but it didn't matter. They it didn't gone. matter, I guess. I like the hurricane was over at that point, though. <laughs> I feel like it wasn't raining or anything when they ejected. You might be and, right. Like when, show, like when they show the shot of the ship and seeing the the explosion of the distance it like didn't look like there's a hurricane going on <laughs> yeah that hurricane passed pretty quick because like the events of this movie feel like they're almost happening in real time you know <laughs> yeah i feel like maybe they were caught up in uh sean connery from the avengers his little weather thing where he just was like <laughs> maybe this was the same universe where he was just randomly creating hurricanes and then stopping them and restarting them again and stopping that them. must be yeah. it 
we get a fake out ending where they find where Miko's body is by them. And Jimmy Curtis is like, ah, Miko, you made it. Then he's then he turns to them and his face is all like scarred and bloody. And then it's like, no, it was a dream. She's on a rescue helicopter. But I'm like, what was the point? Like, what? what, what I mean, it was a why? jump scare. That was it. Because he didn't even have anything mechanical. He was yeah. just scarred and bloody. It, like, it, I wasn't sure what they were implying, but it didn't matter because it was a dream anyway. Yeah, it's basically a Friday the Thirteenth ending where it's like a body pops out of there somewhere, and then it's like, oh no, I was just dreaming. Now everything's fine. I mean, that happened the first like four Friday the Thirteenth movies. Yeah, I mean, this in a Friday the Thirteenth movie, I can almost accept it. This felt so cheap because they all of them just immediately go back to they're just on a rescue helicopter, and it's like, oh, just kidding, everything's fine. Like cut to black. Like if it had actually ended with like that shot, I would have been like, it make it would make no sense, but I would at least give them some credit for ending on it. Um, but we didn't yeah. even get that. No, Christy, when you brought up the ending of Titanic, I was totally thinking that when they're on the, the wreckage in the water, I'm like, are they taking a little uh, shot of Titanic here that they have two people uh, floating on this this piece of shipwreck? Like, is that what they're trying to say here? The whole thing about that Titanic one was that Mythbusters tested it and essentially um, the weight would have, like, yes, they would have both floated, but they would have floated just with enough, like it would have sunk just a little bit yeah. and it would have been enough to give them both hypothermia as opposed yeah. to Rose being dry and Jack dying. Yeah. So this this water was warm. It was South Pacific. It wasn't, yeah. you know, Arctic yeah. water. So Only the Titanic had been sailing to Australia. They would have been okay. <laughs> no icebergs. <laughs> Did you guys look up at all the um, the director of this movie? Like what his, his background was? I just yeah. read... I just read in the trivia that this was like his one and only movie, but I know he did effect stuff or something for Titanic, right? He was like James Cameron's effects yeah. guy. Gail Ann heard James Cameron's ex-wife produced this movie. And John Bruno was basically like, he did effects on like Terminator 2. Um, he was Cameron. He was basically Cameron's effects guy. He had been the visual effects, you know, supervisor in a whole bunch of amazing movies made this movie went back to being the visual effects supervisor <laughs> on a whole bunch of great movies um i, I feel mean, like I, I feel like usually when like effects guys get like a director's job it usually isn't good because they're like way too focused on it being visually you know effects interesting yes and, and they don't actually do like plot or story or any other part of the movie making process it made me think about Friday the 13th, part seven. seven yeah, with John Beekler. With John Beekler, which is like, yeah, there's some interesting, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I still think none of us has ever really seen the full version of that movie. Um, but, you know, you can tell they were like, oh, you know, it's, it's an effects guy, but like yeah, the yeah. story of the movie makes zero sense. Right. And then they cut out all um, the effects and then it's just lame. <laughs> yeah. So here is our so wrong it's right that I want to do. I'm gonna have you guys guess. I I don't know if any if any of you know this, but a line of toys was produced for this movie, a fairly extensive line of toys. I would like you only two characters in this movie who have speaking roles do not get a toy made. Not counting the cosmonauts and and in the beginning. There are only two characters who don't get a toy made, and I'm not counting the British captain who says that's one hell of a flare. Who are the two characters who do not get toys? 
I'm going to guess because of how much she hates the movie, Jamie Lee Curtis wouldn't give them the rights to that. Okay. Okay. Good guess. Uh, Brian? Are we guessing two people? You can guess one or two. There are I'm only gonna go two. With, I'm going to go with the two main people, Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Sutherland. Okay. Okay. Fun toy, though, the Donald Sutherland one. That's true. All right, I'll go. I'll go the reverse, and I'll do um, Woods and Richie. Okay, uh, close. Woods did not get a toy. The only other character who didn't get a toy was Cliff Curtis. They didn't do, but everyone else: Donald Sutherland, Jamie Lee Curtis, William Baldwin, Richie, Squeaky, what? the the giant alien monster, Captain Alexi. The uh, the the guy like and um, and the giant you could get a giant Goliath uh, robot thing that came with a Nadia figure. I looked last night. There currently is a squeaky action figure listed for twenty dollars on eBay that has simple watching it. That means six human beings are considering spending $20 on an action figure of Squeaky from Virus. But is it Borg Squeaky uh, or Human Squeaky? This is where the toys are kind of unique. You can adapt it to either one. That's where they made wow. the, the Donald Sutherland and the Captain Alexi and the Squeaky one. You can either have it as Borg or Human. Well, it's yeah. like a reversible t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And I did say that the one of the Goliath monster, it looks really cool. Um, it's those are like, I think there's one of those on eBay and it was like 150 bucks and it looks, and there was like a lot of people watching it. It just looks like an awesome toy. Going back to the director for a second, I do like the fact that this is his first movie, ended up being his only movie. And throughout the entire movie, Jamie Lee Curtis was trying to get him fired and replaced with the director of Halloween H2O. Yes, yes. That, that must have been not awkward at all. Yeah. Yeah. When you hear stories of like your star trying to get your fire, rumors of a star trying to get a director fired and the star's like, no, I, I am. I'm actively working on this. <laughs> and it also has to be like one of the characters that like survives the entire film when pretty much everyone else dies. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. It's not even like she's only in some of the movie. She's in everything in the movie. She's maybe the biggest box office draw in the movie probably yeah, don't yeah. think his name so it's like you don't want to lose jamie lee curtis in 1999 yeah even in 2021 you don't want to lose jamie oh. lee curtis yeah if you watch halloween kills <laughs> <laughs> She's got it. the movie just sucks i watched two bad jamie lee curtis movies yesterday as well <laughs> one day yeah makes you uh, feel like you should watch like the fog or something else that's more enjoyable i'm going to at some point yeah yeah uh, all right, so let's do a, is it so bad it's good? Mm. Um, who can we just start with you? Sorry, oh, you? oh, sorry, I didn't hear you say. Oh, um, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I, I couldn't sit through this again. It, 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 you know, just one of those classic movies where you, like, pause and see how much time is left. You're like, crap, there's still an hour left. And uh, I, I still, like, when I, after the movie, I, I just kept thinking, like, I can't remember the last time I saw a movie where from by the end of it, I still know nothing about these characters. Like I like Jamie Lee Curtis, like it's like every character got one line of exposition. Like Jamie Lee Curtis at one point was like, I'm the daughter of an admiral. I'm like, okay, like like to hear more about that, how you got into this line of work on a ship, but no, nothing more. It's like, 
And then they kept making those allusions to, to Jamie Lee Curtis and Baldwin, like being romantically involved. Nothing ever came of that. It, it's just like, it, it just seemed like this movie just had this like shell of like, okay, aliens, ship, uh, you know, biomechanics. And then the characters were just an afterthought. And, and I, I just found it a very unpleasant experience. Cody, what do you think? Uh, first, I just want to clarify from my comments a few minutes ago that I do love Jamie Lee Curtis and I respect her. And just <laughs> I don't like Halloween Kills or this movie. Uh, I would say that I like Brian. I was kind of just waiting for this movie to end. Uh, there wasn't much in it that I was enjoying. Or I don't love we're stuck on an abandoned ship movies, and I don't love there's evil robot movies. So this was kind of the worst of all of that. So no, I would not recommend it now. Christy, what do you think? Uh, I think that we've watched a lot worse for this podcast. Um, I I didn't mind it as much as you guys did. It was not good, but it wasn't torturous to sit through. And I have to admit, I'm somebody that if it's a, not that this is a great science fiction movie, but in a good science fiction story, I don't necessarily mind a lack of character character development. I mean, one of my favorite science fiction books is um, is an Arthur C. Clarke story that there's no character development at all. It's all about the experience of what's going on. So I don't necessarily mind it in sci-fi. Uh, I did not feel like I needed to know more about these characters, except for more about how Richie could set all that up. But I didn't feel the need for character development in the story. Um, it helped that it was only an hour and a half, as opposed to the two plus hour movies that Alex usually picks for us. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I didn't mind it that much. I would kind of agree. This this felt to me like a Roger Corman movie where the effects were better than you would see like in a Roger Corman movie. Um, I mean, it's bad. It's bad. It's so quick. I, I was mildly nostalgic for it too because this just feels like, this movie came out in, in 99, but it feels like a 93, 94 era kind of movie of just like, ah, oh, yeah, something the studio just kind of like threw together and put out there and like has some names you recognize and has like a sort of acceptable level of production to it. Um, I think that's almost kind of what happened though. Yeah, I think it, I think it kind of, it, it's, it's, it was like, it, it, it's, uh, it was out of time at the time they were doing it, but it was like, yeah, we used to just kind of get these movies that weren't good, but were, um, I mean, it is bad and it's, and it's, it, it, there's so much stuff that's like, what's going on? But uh, I mean, I would never watch, to clarify, I would never watch this again. I'm not sure I would recommend it, but I would agree with Christy. We've, we've seen worse and I've struggled to actually make it through other movies we've watched, whereas this one was like, okay, you know, I'm easy breezy. I also wonder if we would have the same thoughts about this movie if we did watch it when it came out. I mean, I feel like we're looking at sci-fi. We do this a lot with you know sci-fi and horror where in 2021, the effects are better. Everything looks better. Uh, movies were made differently and plots were considered differently. So sometimes I think it might be our, our you know, future view too. Yeah, yeah. That, Not that... to really defend this movie, but in general. Yeah, in our understanding of technology, like there's a little of that like '90s, you know, technology like struggles here, you know, where they have to keep like explaining like it's the computer, you know, <laughs> kind of stuff. Where you're like, okay, technology. Yeah, 
it, it, the, the, the fact that it's a shameless ripoff of the Borg did bother me a little bit, where I was like, ah, come on, like, don't don't steal from Star Trek like this. You know, not not so blatantly. That that sort of left a bad taste in my mouth. And I, I couldn't think- remember. Oh, go ahead, Chrissy. I was going to say, I couldn't remember my quote in the beginning because all of a sudden all I had in my in my mind was resistance is futile after seeing <laughs> Jack's background for our Zoom call was a Borg, so. Yeah. Um, I've, but it's funny because I think this movie was written in like the early 90s, uh, right around when that would make sense. Jen was on and, and the Borg were a thing. So I think it was written, I was reading, the, the guy wrote it. It was too, the, the technology wasn't good enough to make a movie like that yet. So he made it into a comic book series. And then in the late 90s, it was like technology could do it you know, better. They could do it better. So they decided to make the movie. And and then the writing wasn't good enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they were getting a bunch of stars kind of on the decline, like career decline, like just bad luck. Um, Not great. Um, Yeah, but that that brings this one to a close. I got to go bid on that squeaky action figure before somebody else gets it. I I can't, you know. Not not if I get it first. (laughs) Uh, uh, But we'll be back soon with... Uh, more crazy movies. I, I am going to promise at some point we are going to do Halloween Kills. I don't know when it's going to be available on VOD or, or how we're going to do that, but I, I am kind of looking forward to seeing Halloween Kills for the purposes of this podcast. Maybe not for the purposes of real life. It is on, it's streaming on Peacock right now, but you have to have the premium membership, which is like five bucks, but that's how oh. I watched it. Uh, and in, in a Richie like uh, tease with no spoilers, I heard a great piece of Halloween trivia the other day that I think might be a stumper for you guys. Oh. But I'm going to save it for that episode. So oh, okay. when we get to the end of that episode, you'll you'll know what I mean. And I sent Cody got to see some pictures I sent him with some uh, my own personal Ooh. Halloween experience. We'll bring that Ooh. up when we get to do Halloween kills. <laughs> what the sound of that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see you back here next time. Bye.